right, welcome back to another edition of Fantasy Football Universe. I am Nick from CWE, as always, joined by the venerable BC Steele, and we are here to talk fantasy football with you. And I got to tell you, BC, I did a podcast by myself earlier this week, um, giving advice on waiver wire pickups, and it's not nearly as fun just talking to yourself. Well, if you're talking to yourself and answering yourself, we may need to get you some help. Well, good news is I really didn't do either. Uh, I think it went well. I'm going to probably anticipate doing some more of that just because, uh, you know, we want to get some good content out there. This was actually probably, in my opinion, the best week for waiver wire pickups. I think that this was a week that you can you could actually see... Um, some very serious value being picked up. So it's going to be interesting to see how those picks translate. I want to do something to make this podcast a little more interactive this time. I don't know that we're necessarily going to get the responses or not, but I wanted to talk very quickly about something that excited me very much. We've mentioned it a number of times on the podcast um, that we're in a dynasty league. This is now the second year. I won last year. You came in second. It was and it was close. And we've discussed multiple times that truthfully, you had the better team going into the championship game, and then circumstance. Um, and, but and this go- year, uh, I was just gonna say, and this year that circumstance. Uh, has me one and five with a high points four, but not that I'm better. Just saying. Yeah, this year has me at six and zero. Oh. Um, you son of a gun, you. <laughs> and anyway, one of our league mates uh, posted on the Facebook group that we keep for the league that he had given up on Todd Gurley, and uh, I made what I thought was. A very reasonable offer, considering what Todd Gurley has done thus far this year, and I was very excited that he accepted it. And the trade was that he gave me Todd Gurley, Cameron Meredith, and I sent him Brandon Cooks, um, Will Fuller, uh, my, my, Will Fuller. <laughs> And my uh, second round pick next year. Now, mind you, I'm six and zero. We can play two quarterbacks, and I've got Dak, Cam, and Marcus Mariota with Teddy Bridgewater on IR. My only real running back was Carlos Hyde. We we do only have no. We do have to play two backs, right? Yes. It's so I, I, I was playing some form of Wendell Smallwood, Cameron Artis Payne, Charles Sims before he was hurt. So needless to say, I didn't feel really great about my running back situation. At receivers, I have Julio Jones, Allen Robinson, Randall Cobb, Michael Thomas. Um, so I felt like I was stout enough at receiver that I could – give one of my top guys up in Brandon Cooks for Todd Gurley. Essentially, that's what I feel like it came down to is I gave up Cooks in a second-round pick for Todd Gurley. Now, what I'm interested to hear, um, I I would like to get your take on it in a second. I want to reach out to our, our listeners, and I'd love for them to give me their opinions because I felt like it was a fair trade all around. I did not, when I do try to trade, I don't try to see someone having like a dumpster fire and take advantage of it because especially in a dynasty league, if the other members see that type of behavior start to take place, you could find yourself without owners the following year. So I, I do try to be as fair as possible, and, and I thought it was a fair deal. So hit us up on Twitter, at Research and Win, on Facebook, Research Fantasy. Let us know your thoughts. Again, the deal was me giving up Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, and a second-round pick 
which which really should be the first. If everything continues to go on this path, I'm not I'm not calling myself the champion right now, but I'm undefeated. And it, so basically, my second round pick at this point would be the first pick in the second round. Uh, and then I get back Todd Gurley and Cameron Meredith. BC, I want to hear your take on it. What did you think of the deal? Uh, well, I like the deal personally on both ends. Um, it, it's kind of hard for me to be. I don't have a girly in any of my leagues, but it would be hard for me to trade him. But he did get two young wide receivers, which, as we know, wide receivers in Dynasty are uh, sometimes at a premium. And he also got what could be the 13th overall pick in the draft. And as as we went over our draft last year, there was major value all the way into the third and even fourth rounds uh, just because of free agents uh, and where they were going at that time. So I like the move. Uh, running backs are ones that you can always, at least two or three throughout the year, you can pick up and you can even plug and play in some situations. So I like the deal all the way around. Uh, the one thing I will say about Gurley is he's a dual threat. He runs uh, and catches, obviously. Now, the last few weeks, his catch total has actually increased. Uh, it was He only had one catch the first three weeks. And weeks four, five, and six, he's gone five, three, and four uh, catches. And his targets have increased. So... Maybe that helps. Uh, I also think, and I'll ask you on this, putting in Jared Goff, uh, they're saying that he could be closer to getting in the game. Can Is there any way, because Jared Goff, a, a better quarterback going in helps Gurley. Is there any way possible that putting in Jared Goff could be any worse than Case Keenum? I no, I really, I really don't think so. I mean, and I, we, I've had this discussion with a, with a friend of mine that I work with, where he's in a situation where he has Dak and Ben Roethlisberger in his league. Obviously, Dak's on a bye. Ben's not going to be playing this week. This is a six-team team league, and so there's not. It's not a situation where he can just go out and pick up Joe Flacco. You know, so his options are basically, um. Case Keenum or Cody Kessler. Now, granted, that's not much of a selection, but I'm not completely undersold on Keenum. I think that he's really had, you know, two really bad games. But other than that, he's serviceable. I mean, I don't think that. I, so I'm not. I don't think that we're talking about taking him out and moving to Goff is going to be a jump up and down either way. But uh, we'll definitely have to see. I, I really don't know. Um, I don't know what too much to expect. Uh, but I do expect this week to be one of the more interesting weeks of the year, to say the least. Uh, we've got some pretty big contests going up across the board. I, for one, am super excited about basketball. This has nothing to do with fantasy football. But uh, I almost took down FanDuel's $3 tournament last night in the preseason. Um, and that's very tough to do. So my spirits are at like an all-time high right now. Um, FanDuel running a $4, $1 million prize pool contest on opening night. That should be fun. Downside to that contest is there's only three games, so good luck figuring out how to differentiate your lineup from the competition. Um, that is going to be very tough. But that brings us to the NFL football slate this week. Uh, we've got a bunch of different options because we have the game being played in London, so you can do Thursday games. You could do all-day Thursday. You could do Thursday-Sunday. You can do... Thursday, Sunday morning, you could do Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, all day Sunday. There's just a variety of options for you to play, something for everyone's palate. Normally, I'm down on Thursday night games. This week, I'm a little bit upset that this is the Thursday night game that we get because I really think that this is a game I would have attacked very, very hard on a full slate on Sundays. Yeah, the we've talked before about the the worry of Thursday games. I will say that for a Thursday game, I, I like 
obviously Aaron Rodgers is going to normally always be a top quarterback. He's third price-wise this week in FanDuel. And the Chicago defense, I know a lot of people when they're thinking Chicago are probably thinking uh, dumpster fire or what have you, but their defense is actually in the top half of the league. And if I'm not mistaken, at least if we're going by stats and such, they were at one point a top 10 passing defense. So let's not go completely crazy. Uh, On top of that, Aaron Rodgers is 26th. This now bye weeks throw this off a little bit, obviously, but 26th in passing yards, eighth in passing touchdowns. So that's not totally the Aaron Rodgers we're looking at. He's also 23rd in passing attempts. Again, he's already had his bye week, so that throws it off a little bit. Uh, so I, I guess we can jump right into quarterbacks with that. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a high ownership. Again, especially if you're in a Thursday league game. I'm staying away, personally. Uh, if you're in year-long fantasy, you have to start him unless you have somebody great behind him. But I'm staying away from Aaron Rodgers. The guy that I'm actually leaning towards, and I don't know if he's going to have a huge ownership, I'd also like to apologize to him and his fans because I have doubted him mightily, and that's Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that, and I would expect his ownership to be very high this weekend against what we know is a suspect Indianapolis Colts defense. He's now put together two consecutive strong performances. Again, they were against poorer defenses. I think it was Oakland and Cleveland, so we're not talking about him set or Miami and Cleveland. So you got the 26th and 29th ranked defenses. He's not exactly setting the world on fire in terms of facing tough defenses, but it doesn't matter. It's uh, it's Indianapolis. He should have a good time. Interestingly enough, on Aaron Rodgers, he was someone who I really didn't consider until just thinking about it now. And I had been so focused on the guys I like. And I do like Brian Hoyer in that game at his price. I think he's a serviceable tournament play. But something that now has me turning my attention to Aaron Rodgers is They've played like crap, and it's not just him. He has underthrown, overthrown his receivers. Jordy Nelson, his top target, has done nothing in the last two weeks to make his life any easier. His fantasy points have suffered as a result because he bobbles, should be catches that end up becoming interceptions. I think that this is a night that all of that goes away. And I could be completely wrong, but I'm very, very highly interested in running something like, I, I think on DraftKings especially, I'm going to have a lineup that's like Rodgers, Meredith, Jeffrey, Nelson, and probably Ty Montgomery. Well, the, uh, Go ahead. There, there's one benefit in all this, and you actually brought him up. The possible three running backs, if all three are, are, are dressed tonight for the Packers, are going to be... Uh, Ty Montgomery, Niall Davis, who literally hasn't even had a week with the team, and Don Jackson. So do any of those names strike fear in the heart of a defense? No, they shouldn't. I think Aaron Rodgers, depending on how this game goes, could end up putting up 40 to 50 passes. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I think that this is a a situation where you know, people will. I'm I'm thinking kind of the inverse of you, and I'm thinking that this is going to be a situation where people are like, almost like they are with Todd Gurley, where they're like, you know what, we're sick of paying the third highest price on the board and getting less than 20 points. We could we could get Aaron Rodgers' production out of Colin Kaepernick this week. So why am I going to pay almost nine thousand dollars and go down to options like you mentioned with Mariota and, and Kaepernick? So I think it's a great time to buy in on him. I I feel like we're going to see pretty high ownership out of Brady, out of Matt Ryan. Um, Andrew Luck is a guy who strikes me as being an interesting option. I'm I, I for the most part I know he was like my biggest bust of the year. He's had two bad games, one really good game, and two games right in the middle where for what you drafted him for. So I wouldn't go on and call him a bust thus far, but. He hasn't lived up to expectations, but what I see personally, he's going to get sacked in this game, but I think he can salvage fantasy points against Tennessee. 
I don't think it's uh, completely out of the question. Um, how many more do you think? How many more uh, games is Andrew Luck going to play? Do you think he makes all sixteen this year? Honestly, something tells me he will. Yeah, uh, because I, there was I mean, a topic I... on a message board, and that was the topic, and there were people that were taking both ends of the spectrum on that. So. Well, look, I mean, every quarterback is only one hit away from being out for the year. So, That's true. See Ben but he, he, he just has a much uh, – yeah, so she, he, he's, he's, uh, he does carry some risk. Now, what do we make of Andy Dalton against Cleveland? I, I think that that's going to be a popular route for people to go. Picking on Cleveland is always, like, the fun thing to do. From a cash game perspective – I mean, you know, 18, 19, 11, 14, 22, 21, his price is 8,000. That's pretty reasonable for a cash game quarterback, would you say? Yeah, and you can definitely uh, do a lot worse than Andy Dalton. The only. See, I want to play both sides of the coin. That way, you know, I can always say I'm right. But uh, the Cleveland Browns uh, defense, and you've mentioned it before, not as. Or in previous years, not as bad as people would think. They're Patty Poop Dick this year. Um, so I think Andy Dalton could be a benefit. The only thing is I could also see the Bengals getting up early and then just being the Jeremy Hill, maybe even Gio Bernard show at that point. Right. That's, that's kind of my take on things. Um, beyond that, I think we'll see pretty high ownership of Rivers against Atlanta and what should be a shootout. I I like Matt Stafford. I think that they're kind of suffering from the same situation where they don't have a reliable person to throw the ball. He makes a good tournament play. And I'm just going to be completely and totally honest with you. My top play at the position this week is Colin Kaepernick, and I'm not making any secrets about it. Now, um, are we basing that? Well, clearly that has somewhat to do with uh, with price, you're obviously not uh, a man of the talent. Uh, well, I mean, shouldn't say the talent there, but the Tampa Bay isn't a uh, isn't a good defense. So, what are you expecting? If you're paying the 6,500 on Fanduel, what are you hoping to get out of him? Point wise, personally, what I'm expecting this week is I'm expecting his stat line to look like 200 passing yards, two touchdowns probably about 50 rushing yards, and I do think he'll get one in on the ground. So if you add that up, you're talking 8 points, 14, 19, probably about mid-20s is what I'm expecting. But the reality of the situation without Carlos Hyde is now he, I think people will look to, the, I don't think people will play Mike Davis and Sean Drone, but I'll think they'll, in their minds, say, well, that means they'll, I don't think that they're, they're, they'll be utilized as much as Kaepernick will be. So that's where I'm going at. I mean, for me, you're getting a guy against a bad defense. He put up 18 points against a good defense, turned the ball over one time uh, against Buffalo, and still ended up with 18 yards in an absolutely pretty, I don't want to say absolutely awful, but a pretty bad showing overall. wasn't a good showing on his end. Now, on the flip side of that, would you be willing to go Jameis Winston? I mean, San Francisco isn't as bad of a pass defense as most people might think, but San Francisco isn't a good defense. So Yeah, I don't mind Winston. Now, are you willing to go the Winston-Evans double up on that? Is that a a wise strategy? Good. Let's let's move into running backs here, and we'll couple Mike Evans in with that. Jaquiz Rogers is going to be the starter this week. Dirk Cutter loves to feed his starting running back. I view this as a trap play. Something, you can, gut reaction, gut call, something just tells me that people are going to be like, oh, 35 uh, carries in the previous game against Carolina. They're going to just hand him the ball, and he's going to end up with 35 or 40 fantasy points. Something tells me that they come out, Winston and Evans just decimate the... San Francisco defense and Evans ends up with a gaudy stat line and you're looking at Jaquiz Rogers with you know 15 carries for 55 yards at high ownership 
Now, I'm going to have some exposure to him because there very well could be a circumstance where we see him get 30 carries, 150 yards, and two touchdowns. But my gut reaction is I, I, I favor Evans in this situation. And I think there's I don't think you're gonna find anyone necessarily as enticing around his price range because honestly, I've seen a lot said about Zach Zenner this weekend. Or and I'm just kind of sitting here and saying this dude had one nineteen yard run and otherwise went like thirteen for thirty seven. That's less that's basically three on the dot per carry. I don't want any of Zach Zenner. I'm fine with that. You guys can have him. If LaShawn McCoy doesn't play, Mike Gillisley, in my opinion, makes a much better value play. I think he'll carry less ownership than Rodgers because people will be, people have something to base what Rodgers can do off of that Monday night game, and Gillisley will be the guy who you know kind of gets left out of the shuffle. That's yeah, my take sure. on it. I completely agree with that. I was actually going to mention Gillisley is uh, an interesting sneaky play if McCoy's out. I think Zenner must have friends in the media or something because he is he is constantly getting a lot of hype and we don't really see the the magic. Uh, we don't right. see the steak af- with all that sizzle. So it's like you know you hear the sizzle, you smell steak, and then when you lift up the plate, it's it's an old gym shock or something. Totally agree. Um, Pittsburgh options are going to be a little tough this week. I'm veering towards stay away. I don't like Landry Jones on a on a professional level. I don't think he's going to do well. So I'm looking Demarco Murray for a bounce back against Indianapolis. We just saw what Lamar Miller did against them, so we know what's possible. Melvin Gordon makes another fair cash game play. You know, trying to bounce back. the 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 touches are going to be there. Um, David Johnson against uh, Seattle. Perfect time to buy low on him in tournaments. Uh, this is a guy who just put in three touchdowns Monday night against a Jets defense that is not good. Let's not make any. But he also still put up 24, almost 25 pay- fantasy points against a pretty good Buffalo run defense. Um, so there's that. And uh, beyond that, I like Lamar Miller again. Um, Spencer Ware is going to be one of my top tournament targets because I think people will look at the price and see Jamal Charles back and to me that's asinine because he's going to be he's going to be the guy you know that he's younger by 5 years they don't have to worry about him ripping his legs apart because he has a history of his legs falling apart so I I just think that the upside is much greater there um, th- to me, this seems like it would be a good opportunity to run out a guy like Jeremy Hill against the Browns' defense. That's not too good. Cincinnati should have this game in hand, and I would look for them to run things down. Interestingly enough, on Fanduel, Giovanni Bernard is priced like significantly, but like seven hundred or five hundred dollars lower than Hill, and Bernard has been kind of eating up some of them carries. So I- I'd pay attention to that. Uh, and then beyond that, I would look at the Atlanta backs and maybe James Washington or um, James White. James other White. than that, yeah. Other than that, I'm kind of boxing everyone out this week. You know, we saw last week there wasn't that split with Kevin Coleman. He only carried it five times, and I he had two targets in the past game. So there wasn't that split that uh, had everybody hyped on the Tevin Coleman train. I love James White. Deion Lewis isn't back yet, so James White is the passing down back. Uh, Last week, he only carried it seven times, but he still got seven carries. Didn't do anything with it. He had 19 yards, um, but he did catch eight passes on nine targets for 47 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Tom Brady likes to throw the ball to the uh, running back coming out of the backfield. We've seen it all the way back from Patrick Pass through uh, Kevin. Great name for a football player, by the way. Through Kevin Falk all the way up to uh, Deion Lewis last year and James White this year. Uh, And he's going against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, which uh, is going to be without Cam Hayward. And if they're without Ryan Shazier, 
that takes the speed element of being able to cover the running back out of the backfield. So if Shazier is out, and believe me, this does make a difference, if he, that was a Trump line. Believe me, mm-hmm. it's not just me. A lot of people were saying that. You wouldn't believe it. Uh, if Shazier is out, James White could be a top 10 uh, back this week, in my humble opinion, of course. Okay. Anything else at the running back position? Anyone I left off or anyone you disagree with? Uh, no, nobody else really. Uh, maybe keep your eye on Bilal Powell, uh, depending on what happens with the Forte thing. He wasn't Forte wasn't in the game all that much, so... Well, that's because they were playing from behind, and Forte, who, who just so we're clear, Forte catches the ball. He does. And they made the determination that they need Bilal Powell to do that. So but, that's but something yeah. that has me thoroughly confused, if we're just being completely honest with one another. I cannot begin to understand how or why that's what's taking place, but it's happening. But I agree with you. I, I just, In my opinion, I just don't think that there's enough upside to risk... Again, I played him on like my uh, my Monday Thursday slates to just try to act as a differentiation play, and I got like three and a half points out of it. So I mean, Powell is a guy. That's just something more to keep an eye on. If I'm going to spend the fifty four hundred for him and I have to plug in a guy, I might throw in Asiata because he's going to get goal line work. Uh, or for that amount, we could continue the hype train of Double Z Zach Zenner. I'd prefer not to. I'd prefer on that note to move to wide receivers. Um, look at everybody who's priced over 8000 Pull out probably Antonio Brown, and all of these guys are viable plays. And, I, again, I mean, Antonio Brown is, is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Not trying to say otherwise, but I have thoroughly envision Landry Jones throwing four interceptions. Uh, that's that's very possible. I not to defend my Steelers, but this is only the second time ever Landry Jones will get a full week of practice knowing he's going to be the starting quarterback where he's getting all the first-team reps. Uh, the guy that you mentioned, 8000 and higher, the guy that I want that falls in that realm is Mike Evans. Mike Evans, even with the bye week, is third in targets with 62. So that's, uh, that's pretty good if you're uh, keeping score at home. So he's the guy that... Of that 8,000 higher that I'm probably going to have a lot of ownership of this week. Yeah, and I mean, on the Sunday slate, I think that there's enough value at all positions that I'm going to be running a handful of, like, Julio Jones, or I'm sorry, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton, Rob Gronkowski chunks. Because all of those guys are target monsters, and if they get 12 balls thrown their way, and the odds are in, the, you know, it ends up that they do what they do normally and they catch 10 of those 12 and they have 100-plus yards and get into the end zone, which I think every single one of those guys I mentioned has a major opportunity to do that this weekend. I mean, you're talking about a situation where you're working with 100 to maybe 140 points just off of those four guys. Well, let's let's go 100 to 120 points just off of those four guys, and you've still got two running backs, a quarterback, a kicker on FanDuel, and a defense. So that's how, I mean, and like we've discussed, there's enough value that you don't need to, uh, especially if a guy like Colin Kaepernick ends up taking two in himself and rushes for 100 yards. There's just a lot of ways things could go down. That's one of my favorite routes to play. In tournaments, a guy like Allen Robinson, I think, makes a ton of sense because we still haven't seen one of those big games out of him. And it's coming because we know from times past that he's totally capable of doing that. And I think that this marks a good opportunity against a really bad Oakland uh, Oakland defense. Um, I'm going to shut down Brandon Marshall for the week with Geno Smith being back again. It's a situation where I'd rather not than do and be sorry. I've already mentioned that I love Alshon Jeffrey. If Terrell Pryor is unable to go, I actually think there's some merit to using a guy like Ricardo Lewis at minimum price, and they're going to throw the ball. You know, I mean, he's not a cash game play, but you toss him in a tournament, and if he ends up with five catches for 70 yards and a touchdown, you probably feel pretty smart. So I would do that. Um, Honestly, this is a week where (laughs) the guys that I like – 
are pretty much all the way at the top or all the way at the bottom. I'm just reading through some of these names. Baldwin, nope. Fitz, nope. Landry, maybe. Diggs, nope. Wallace, nope. Edelman, nope. Macklin can four-letter word himself for uh, (laughs) eternity. Basically the biggest single waste of fantasy opportunity on a week-to-week basis. They love to put over the fact that he has d- double-digit targets. Like, I, okay, so you get double-digit, and, and it's really not true. He had one game of 15 targets, and he managed 9.8 fantasy points. He's yet to eclipse 15 fantasy points. Like, we could sit here all day and tell ourselves that uh, it's coming, but uh, if you watch the Chiefs, like, circa 2012, they went an entire season without a wide receiver catching a touchdown. So if you don't think that they're not capable of that, again, it's possible. Now, granted, I think that Tyreek Hill's already caught one. That's not the point I'm trying to make. I'm just saying at this point, even against a team like New Orleans, Macklin is a guy who strikes me as being a a guy I'm going to drop in one tournament lineup because I'm really frightened that it's going to be another opportunity that's great for him and he returns, you know. And he's had three straight. He's had the Jets who we've seen everybody and their mother burn the Jets. We've seen Sammy Coates. I can't remember who else the Jets have played, but I remember Coates. Oh, A.J. Green, the first week of the season, ate him alive. Uh, But nope, not Jeremy Macklin. That's not a guy who's going to do it. So we saw Robert Woods. (laughs) We've seen Graham and Baldwin. We've seen all of these guys eat that team alive. Um but not Jeremy Macklin, so well, he can, it, he can go. It's funny you mentioned against the Jets. Uh, Mama Steele actually uh, caught nine passes for 127 <laughs> yards and three touchdowns against the Jets. So uh, not a good not not a good team. Not a good secondary. Uh, Revis Island is now Revis. Uh, everybody come aboard because I'm not going to stop you. Um, right. But if I'm going to spend the 6800 at least on Fanduel, I'm going to go Willie Sneed over Jeremy Macklin. I feel a lot more comfortable. With Snead having a big game. And I'm going to tell you right now, you absolutely shouldn't. You should not he, feel comfortable with him having a big game. Over Jeremy Macklin. I feel more... I think pers- both, of, both of those guys are in a pool of guys that there's no reason for me to touch. Now that Mike... As soon as he missed that game and Michael Thomas came onto the scene, Willie Snead is now an afterthought in the mind of Drew Brees. The targets might be there. He had seven targets. He only pulled four in. But to me, again, we're, we're, it's just a situation where I'm – and one thing that I've started to learn, and, and a lot of it has be, been because of preseason NBA, is like if I feel confident about a lineup, I'll leave $5,000 on the table if, if I think it's justified. I have a lineup I'm running, and granted it's a two-day slate, uh, but the Thursday to Sunday morning games, I have $5,100 left over. I'm not even worried about it. I look at my lineup and I'm like, that's the lineup I want. I don't care if I have money left over. I'd much rather play Michael Thomas for fifty seven hundred and save eleven hundred dollars and, you know, see a guy who's now got what, four straight three straight games with the touchdowns and he's converting at a very high rate. That's just my take on it. Um just to finish the guys I like and then we could discuss a little bit, I would drop Golden Tate is is still a tournament option. Uh, Tyrell Williams, maybe Benjamin if everything's okay with him. Cameron Meredith is, should be at the top of everyone's list because he's an awesome person. Um, also, Eddie Royal's out, so there's going to be targets galore for him. I don't even think you're wrong if you do Alshon Jeffrey and Cameron Meredith in your cash games. I've, I'm thoroughly convinced that both of them tonight will eclipse 100 yards and score a touchdown each. Uh, I mentioned Michael Thomas. Torrey Smith is one of my favorite tournament options. I referenced Colin Kaepernick throwing two touchdowns this weekend. I fully expect them to go to Torrey Smith. Beyond that, look at guys like Ty Montgomery, who should be playing a lot of snaps out of the backfield. And, I mean, he basically paced the team last week. And uh, I think that's basically it. I'm probably forgetting someone, but that's basically where I'd probably fall off there thoughts um well it's funny i have uh i had three uh big points to hit and one of them happened to be that uh benching brandon marshall actually benching all jets because geno smith 
The only way I would throw Brandon Marshall back out there is if the greatest quarterback ever, Christian Hackenberg, uh, ended up taking over. Because as listeners of this podcast know, Nick from CWE loves him, some Christian Hackenberg. Uh, uh, I worry I'm, about- currently, I'm looking for a new co-host for the podcast, if anyone is interested. <laughs> well, hey, maybe it's Christian Hackenberg. He doesn't have anything else to do. Uh, <laughs> but... I'm a little bit leery of London games. Uh, That's just me personally. I know uh, the Rams' defense is middle of the road, but we've seen Eli and Odell struggle. Now, I know Odell has continuously gone up the last three weeks, or excuse me, the last two weeks, but I'm still a little bit leery of those games. Uh, I personally, and this is another thing I will throw to you, because what we're... Uh, told to believe is that Houston and Denver are great defenses. Denver against the pass is the best in the league, not good against the rush. And uh, the Houston defense is also great against the pass, but not against the rush. So looking at the the high-priced options, DeAndre Hopkins, Demarius Thomas, uh, Sanders and Fuller are uh, uh, questionable. Are you throwing any DeAndre Hopkins or Demarius Thomas and if you are, is it because your faith in them or the fact that they're a Monday game? I like Emmanuel Sanders out of the bunch. That's a guy I'd probably throw out there. Maybe C.J. Fedorowicz because it's apparent that Brock Osweiler likes him. Otherwise, like you said, I'd, I'd run with Lamar Miller. I think that he's a good play. Denver is kind of faking it to make it against the, the rush, but... I don't know. These past couple of Monday night games have just been – really, this whole NFL season, the the Monday and Sunday night games have just been boring as hell. Um, in fact, it was so bad that I didn't even watch the second half of the game Monday night. I, I, just, I couldn't do it. I was just like, you know, screw I, I watch every snap every week, and I'm literally like, I'm not – there's no way I'm doing this. I, I, I went back and forth only because I was looking to get a win, and then uh, – it was Arizona, right? That was Monday? Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was in the same position. I'm like, cool, Arizona defense is doing good. And then Carson Palmer decided down like the stretch that he just needed to throw the ball to John Brown every single down. And well, that's who my opponent had. In our redraft, I ended up losing because Michael Floyd actually caught a touchdown. Uh, and, well, that le- that team is now shot because half my team is on the IR. But cheap cheap plug here. I played I played Michael Floyd in the uh, of the uh, Monday Thursday games, and he was at nine percent ownership. Now you'd normally think that I'd be happy, but even with a touchdown, he still ended up with under ten points. So it's not like yeah. I did anything great. He had two catches, I think twelve yards, and that touchdown is what screwed me over. So I mf the Michael Floyd for uh, eternity. But what I will say about you know, this NFL thing, and I'm not going to go off on a rant, but they're, they're talking about how their numbers are down and look at the games they're giving us. And not only that, but they're penalizing guys for celebrating a touchdown. Now I understand the argument. Oh, act like you've been there before, but you can't tell me that Terrell Owens and Chad Johnson and and Joe Horn with the cell phone. And it makes things uh, exciting. That was a, I mean that part of one of the reasons Terrell Owens is one of my favorite players of all time. And I know he's, he came off whiny, but the guy could play, and I was always excited to see what him and Chad ate five because Ocho Cinco is not 85 in Spanish. But I was just always excited to see what they were going to do. And then that was taken away. So, you know, if we're going to – and I think part of it was, well, we've got to set a good example for kids. Well, I would argue that, you know, hitting your wife and uh, getting drunk and driving a car and murdering your teammate and some of the other stuff that we've seen and being accused of rape and uh, and being charged with rape, Darren Sharper, I think is who that was, uh, and all this stuff that we're seeing, shouldn't you maybe you know address that first and get that house in order before you worry about a guy twerking? I mean, I'm going to actually think- disagree with you, and I know people will hate me for it, but I don't care what goes on with any of these guys off the field. If they're not in prison and whatever the situation might be, and I don't think their professional stature should get them off of anything, I do not care what they believe in. I do not care what they do 
I don't think you can say that they're on a pedestal, but so are dads, so are moms. So now you're talking about 50% of the country being on pedestals and their actions relating to the behavior of people who are paying attention to them. So it's not just sports stars. It's not just television stars. It starts at home. And this is this country's just become a whiny twat of people who are unwilling to take <laughs> responsibility for things that they should be doing and point the finger at somebody else. I don't care what they do. It does not matter to me. If it does not affect me, this is why I don't talk politics. Because whichever asshole is elected to the presidency, you know what I'll do? I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to trash talk either one of them before or after. I'm going to see what they do, see what I have to do to get ahead under their plan, and do it. And if more people thought like me, there would be less problems. But everybody in this country has a problem where they think what they want is how it should be. Well, when you've got millions of people in a country, it can't work like that. That's not how things work. So thank you very much for giving me the time to go off on a tangent because I've been holding that one in for quite a while now. Well, I, I would also like to state that the point I was going to make was uh, if you're going to worry so much about uh, – you know, uh, protecting the children and what have you, there's a lot worse things that you could look at. And, and uh, I'll agree with you on that one, BC, because you're right. If that's the stance you're going to take and you're going to say you don't want, you know, S- Steve Smith and Antonio Brown to pretend to wiggle their penises after they score a touchdown, <laughs> I get it. If you're trying to protect children from that, yes, you are a hypocrite if you don't address these other issues. That's fact. Well, that is where I will agree with you. But if they would have never said anything about kids, what everybody does off the field doesn't matter. But Roger Godell is an idiot. In five years, the NBA, this is everything is cyclical. We've, if, if you're a wrestling fan, you'll know that in the 80s wrestling was huge. Then it died. And when it died, boxing kind of became big because you had Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson. And then that died. And then wrestling came back. And then wrestling died. And then the UFC became a thing. And this happens in the professional sports as well. Major League Baseball was the star of the show until steroids. And that's when the NFL firmly became the sport that America was enamored with. And I'm telling you right now because more and more I'm talking to people who have never watched basketball and now they're saying that they're watching because the young guys are exciting it's a fast-paced game and it's only going to get more and more people involved i'm telling you right now and in five years we're going to be talking about the nba being the country sport i actually watched kobe bryant's last game because of how it was hyped and obviously i knew who kobe bryant was i watched a lot of the nba finals and a few times i even talked about you i started uh, pay not not freebies, but actual paid fantasy basketball lineups based on your knowledge, researchfantasy.com, and the little bit I know about it. So I can totally buy into that because the extent of my basketball excitement before was playing uh, uh, oh, what's his name, David Robinson's uh, basketball for Sega or Nintendo, one of the two, and NBA Jam. That was that was pretty is. much that was pretty much it. So I can buy into that and maybe. We'll do a uh, research basketball where I can talk about make a, a random Muggsy Bogues reference. Now he was so short. <laughs> well, that's good to know. That's all you got. That's pretty much it. That's that's. It's going to be that every week if you have me on that podcast. Maybe Christian Hackenberg can be on nope, that podcast. We're done. It will be. Believe me, because I still reference him <laughs> on College Football Pros. All right, let's move to tight ends. And I made a bold claim last week that you should probably start two tight ends. I don't think it worked out how I envisioned it, but if you started Gronk and Olsen or Gronk and Henry, I don't think you ended up too bad. I think you ended up happy. For me, this week, I'm running either Gronk or Hunter Henry, and as far as I'm concerned, there is no point in playing anyone else. Uh, It's going to be, I think, the Gronk uh, experience. Uh, That game could get out of hand very quickly. And like I said before, I don't see the Patriots holding up at all this year. The only other tight end I might look at, and after you're ripping a part of uh, two tight ends, actually, after you're ripping a part of Jeremy Macklin, I might start Travis Kelsey for that reason. And because they're going up against the Indianapolis poop D defense, uh, I might go Delaney Walker as well. But for me, it's going to be Gronk, Walker, Kelsey, or Henry, uh, unless I'm, feeling uh super silly 
and I go for somebody just to grab them cheap, but there's nobody that really jumps out at me. Right, well, so. here, here's my take on why I'm going to play Gronk in probably all of my lineups. Gronk could legitimately put up a 35-point to 40-point game because we actually saw him do it last year and many years before. Well, he'll have like 10 catches for 170 yards and three touchdowns. There's not a single other tight end on this slate. Short of Jimmy Graham, who's not going to have that happen against Arizona, that you can say that about. So he's $8,500, but he is putting up receiver $8,500 type statistics. If you put someone like Delaney Walker in, their upside is less at 6500 than a $6,500 receiver that I could plug in. So let's just look at the list real quick. Kenny Britt, perfect example. Like I'd, I'd much rather roll Kenny Britt at 6500 and throw out Gronk than to play um, Mike Evans and throw out Delaney Walker. That's just my take on things. And, and I'm not faulting you for it because my assumptions are not 100%. They're not only are they not true, but the point is, like, you're not just necessarily, if you put in Delaney Walker, you're not just taking $2,000 and then improving on a receiver. You could be improving on your quarterback or on a, a tight end or on a receiver and a running back. So there's a lot of differences that can be made with that $2,000 difference. So I get it. But for from a pure points perspective, especially like you said, where there's just there's no one in football that can cover Gronkowski flat out. And Shazier is a great athlete, and if he plays, he's one of those guys you would be a little bit concerned about. I'm betting he's not playing, and even if he is, I don't know if I care because I think Gronk's that good. Well, let's not forget Gronk last year. I believe it was last year, put up three touchdowns against the Steelers uh, and, and really just had his way with them all day. And you mentioned earlier about a Kenny Britt. If you're worried about... Uh, putting in Gronkowski because I think sometimes people look at okay tight end I overspend on wide receiver spend a lot here well tight end I'll save myself some money so I'll be able to fit in that last position go Torrey Smith on FanDuel for 5600 and then go Gronkowski and you're set you're good to go you're good to continue on my so. bold prediction of the week you ready for it uh oh and these two are not related, but they're two people who are currently in my cash game lineups because I always run risky cash game lineups. I play my cash games in all of my tournaments, and I play them in qualifiers, so I have to play a little bit different. I can't just play safe plays. I'm not going to qualify. Anyway, Torrey Smith, Rob Gronkowski combined for five touchdowns this weekend. Well, I do have uh, both of them in... Uh, my lineup that I just put in as we were on the uh, podcast because I try and do that every episode. And uh, another guy we didn't mention, uh, just just because it's back at running back and I want to throw him out there, uh, Melvin Gordon, I think, has a uh, pretty, pretty decent week. Did we, we got him. Don't worry. I just said that as far as after I went Murray, I said Gordon's the next safest cash uh, game play. You know, it has been a long week. I am old. My head hurts. My back hurts. And Eddie, what? And my my my, wow, my Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy is on the (laughs) IR. Uh, I am very discombobulated. To quote, I guess so. uh, To quote a a famous man. All right, let's move to defense. Um, I think the top three price defenses are going to be the highest owned. That being Cincinnati against Cleveland, Denver at Houston. Mini at Philadelphia. Are you buying all three of those, or are you preferring to pass? Uh, my thing is I normally always go cheap on defense. I always try and find a good matchup. For me this week, I may say screw it and go Tennessee against uh, Indianapolis. Uh, I know Indianapolis has the firepower to do it, but I'm going to go there. I may also go the Patriots against Pittsburgh. No offense to Landry Jones. He's 4,400. If I'm going to go for one of those defenses, it's going to be Cincinnati because they are at Cleveland or they're going against Cleveland. Yeah, I, here's my problem. I won't do Cincinnati because they're too expensive. Number one, and number two, I uh, Cleveland's pesky enough that they're going to limit them to like nine or ten points. I don't think you're going to see like a uh, eighteen to twenty point outing. Um, it's very interesting right now. The Patriots are my cash game defense because Landry Jones is awful, all offense to him. Um, (laughs) The Colts have given up like four sacks a game 
or something, maybe even six. I forget how it works out, but a lot. So you're with the with the Titans, especially on DraftKings because they're forty five hundred. Uh, 3,500, I'm sorry. No, 2,500. They're 2,500 on DraftKings, which, you know, the, the most expensive d- defense on DraftKings is like 3,700. They're 2,500 on DraftKings. They'll let you plug in anyone. I feel like their floor is like six, which is fine for that price. Um, other than that, I think you're, you gotta, you got to see what happens with Flacco. But if Flacco's out, I would consider the Jets' defense. And because Geno Smith is starting, I think you have to consider the Ravens' defense. Yeah, uh, Geno Smith is almost uh, the Cleveland Browns where you just start against him. Now, that said, Geno Smith uh, could could prove to – okay, he's, he's going to be bad. You, we're going to be looking at Bryce Petty or the quarterback who I shall not mention for the rest yeah. of this podcast by week, like, 12, so – yeah, I um, I definitely, I definitely think that that's where you should go. Do you have any bold takes on the week? I've already, I've already called my claim. Where, what do you got? Uh, I will go the bold take of the week. Uh, I will make this one a little bit bland, but there will be a two hundred yard rusher or receiver. Uh, I am predicting that for who I don't know. No, 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 that's not bold. Okay. Uh, okay, saying okay. that there's going to be a 200-yard person, and I, I need you case, to tell me who it's going to be. In, in that case, I will go bold, and I will say that it will be Lamar Miller against okay. that defense. And I will make another bold prediction that Tom Brady will have at least 400 yards and at least six touchdowns against the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense. So you're saying we should start him? Um, no, I think you should go Geno Smith. All right. Well, that wraps us up for the day. I hope you have uh, enjoyed our podcast slash rant. If you wish to follow us on Facebook, you can find us on Research Fantasy, uh, on Twitter at Research and Win, online at www.researchfantasy.com. BC? As always, 1SF Podcast on the Twitter and on the Facebook. Uh, I talk about the my life in professional wrestling uh, we have a five questions guest. I rant, I rave, I talk about life. It's what I do. Uh, as always, you can catch me on here. And you know how we end it? We end it the same every week, where we reprise the theme song and roll the credits. <laughs>